With the first pick in the 2008 WNBA draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. your bi-weekly WNBA podcast brought to you by Outlet Pass and Sports Ethos. My name is Corey. We got Bailey and Carissa here today. Carissa, how are you? I'm good. You? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. Bailey, how are you across the country? I'm smooth. We had breakfast and went to the gym and getting ready to go explore. Yeah, it's weird thinking that you're three hours behind me. I'm not used to thinking like that. Man, what I was just looking at the schedule for today, and it's like 4 p.m. I was like, wait, wait, why did the Liberty play at 4 p.m.? Then I had to remember that's actually 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. But you know what's crazy, Corey? What? So, like, you know, I've been having my sleep troubles. Yeah. My average sleep in Oglethorpe is probably like 3 a.m. to 11 p.m. Okay. Here, that's midnight to 8. I slept so good. Maybe you're made to be on the West Coast. Hey, man, look, I, um, you know, I was thinking, about, I was like, everything happens for a reason. And my sleep schedule shifted by three hours. Everything you know, works. You know, maybe I'm just meant to, like, be over here. I don't know. You know, that's that's hard to argue. Now they just, now the Sparks just need to give you a job. I know they have an opening now, so, you know. Uh, my mama, my mama told me to go down on the sideline and just take the job. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, someone has to. Let's start there. We're gonna get into the news of the week before doing like diving in on our one big topic. And I don't think there's anywhere we can really start with the news of the week other than uh, Derek Fisher was let go by the Los Angeles Sparks. Um, I said it on Twitter, and it's been mentioned to me by a number of people here. Uh, I picked Derek Fisher to be coach of the year. Uh, during the offseason, I said I thought he was the front runner for executive of the year. I still think he, I think it would be funny if he won executive of the year while being fired because I don't think that that is the issue with this team. I think probably his coaching was the issue with this team. But here we are. Uh, Bailey, I'll let you take the reins on this one, not, not to box out Carissa, but this is your team. Fire Fisher has been your thing for as, as long as we've talked about the W. So, you know, have at it. I mean, it was my thing that – second day he was the coach <laughs> yeah yeah actually i would say the second minute like they announced it i was like fire this man i don't even, i didn't want hired um but i think what you said is pretty valid like as a gm and i think as even an assistant coach he would have been fine um just and he by every um player account by every conversation i've heard in the media sessions like he he builds a good culture and he does a good 
he goes to get to like hold the players accountable and things. And he gets along with the players. And like he played for a long time in the NBA and has a wealth of knowledge at every level. He played with tanking teams, he played with championship teams, you know, whatever. And so, like, there is definitely value to having him on your staff. But I do not think, and I've said this from the word go, I just do not think he is a good on-the-court X's and O's between the lines coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the Sparks realized it, honestly, a little too late. Again, I'm we talked about it with the fever. I think 12 games in is a weird time to make a move like this. Um, even though I wanted this move to happen much longer than that. And again, like you said, he was fine as his exec, completely revamped the roster and went from a team that was probably going to be in the bottom half of the playoffs on the border even to a team that should be much better than five and seven. And the cap gymnastics and the moves it took to make that happen were impressive. You know, we've talked about that before, whether it was the sneaky moves to trade for Katie Lou, snagging Jordan, getting Kennedy, like all those little tiny moves were really impressive and allowed them to open up the roster space for Liz, who, again, I have my fans on Liz, but by all means is a, a really good player in the W and brings a lot to the team when she's locked in and focused. But then – as I pointed out in my preseason uh, uh, discussions about LA, I think he brought in a roster that was too much for him. I I honestly doubted his ability to get the most out of the roster from day one. And I think we've kind of seen that. And now here we are. And we've got Fred in as interim for the rest of the season. I'm curious to see who they secure for the long-term role. I would, I don't think Fred's interested in it for the long term. Um, I think probably LT or Simone would be better for it long term if they hire internally, which I would love to see them do. Uh, and then in terms of the GM position, I have no idea what they're going to do with that. I've seen some people spitting out like Lisa Leslie or something else. And I'm just like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's available. I don't know like who the realistic options are for that position. So we'll see how it goes. But all in all, obviously, I'm very happy about this. It's very poetic that my first Sparks home game is going to be the first game of the post-Derek Fisher era. I genuinely, I genuinely love that for you. Uh, I've, I, I know some. It was the Athletic that floated that maybe they could poach Kurt Miller. I immediately closed the article and threw my phone. Not that I think that Kurt Miller's necessarily the number one option in the world, but I would I would not like to see him, you know, leave for that job. But I I don't think that's going to happen. No, the connection they made was because he was an assistant there before. I don't know why, if unless they completely blow up things at the end of this season, that would happen. But that's neither here nor there. But definitely interesting. Um, and like. <laughs> I, I said whenever we talked about Marion Stanley, like you mentioned before, that I don't love midseason firings, but I do think that there is a slightly different situation when your team that came in with expectations and they still like, despite all the losing, they're still right on that eight seed mark. So they still can make the playoffs. So if, if it was one thing with Indiana where it's like, what are you doing? You're kind of 
leaving these young players rudderless? What's what is changing the coach doing for you in this sense? For the Sparks, this is the last season where I mean, most of your roster is under contract, right? So at this point, it's let's see what we got. Let's let's try to show these players why they want to be here. So I I do get it a little bit more. I agree with you that twelve games is a weird sample, but I mean, I'm glad. As much as I'm usually against midseason firings, if with with Fisher, I was like, let's just rip off the band aid. Let's just get this going. Yeah, it made sense. Chris, do you have any thoughts on on the on the Fisher thing before we move on to the next topic? Um, not really. I mean, it was a long time coming for me. Yeah, no, I, I know that we, despite me picking him, and I, even when I was saying it, uh, like picking him in the preseason with you and you laughing at me, I remember being like, <laughs> I don't typically like him. I just like this roster, so I thought it was going to work. So I think we've all kind of said for a long time where we where we stand on Derek Fisher, but that's enough on that. Um, and kind of more unfortunate news, uh, Sylvia Fowles is out indefinitely. We just got the, before we jumped on to record that, Demir Stantis and Mariah Jefferson were cleared to return, but Sill is out indefinitely with a knee issue. Um, obviously awful news, considering this is supposed to be her farewell tour, her final season, and literally from jump, nothing has gone right for the Minnesota, or for the Minnesota Lynx. So, Crystal, what are your thoughts on Sill right now and, and, and what this could mean going forward? I really hope she comes back another year. Right. I would, I would love to see that because – this just does not this, – this doesn't do her justice. It doesn't. And even if she decides not to, like, I hope the turnaround is just pretty quick. But right now it's just indefinite, which that can mean a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, like, obviously, like, uh, there was no injury moment in the game, like, the last game she played. So it makes it seem like she's been trying to play through it. And that's just such a bummer for for – a grade of the game like this that is trying to play through that in a lost season whenever everyone around her is going on an injury or with fee out uh, after giving birth. It's just, it's a miserable year for the Lynx and you won the one nice thing to be celebrating still and losing out on that. Just, it, it really sucks. Bailey, do you have anything to add on still? I think the Lynx should probably just chalk it up. It's very unfortunate for still in the links as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I do think it kind of points to some bigger issues within the links. I think some of the contracts Cheryl given, gave out were generous, and now they're kind of seeing the kind of uh, bad side of those. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate. I hate it for Syl. I do think she deserves better, but I, I honestly don't think that she'll – if she's out for the rest of the year, I think that's just it. I, I don't really expect her to see to try to run it back. Um, somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, was talking about how you could see her trying, but, like, her legs weren't like they used to be. Like, she just didn't have the legs that she used to have. I, that was literally the conversation during that game, uh, the Liberty game. And I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense because she had that calf injury last year. 14 years in the league, six foot six, like it makes sense. But no, none of us knew at the time. I think the press release said that she suffered the injury in like the second quarter um, of that game. I, I may be misreading. I think that's this, what it said, yeah. I think it was the second quarter. And so, yeah, she did play through it through that game. But, you know, she that's not something you can really, especially as a post, like you just can't really – 
play through for long, especially as an older coach. So really unfortunate. I mean, I, I hate it for Syl. I hate it for the league as a whole because she's been such a um, such a pillar in the league for so long, and she's going out. Was hoping she'd go out on a more positive note, and it has not been positive whatsoever. But unfortunately, I think that it's kind of due to the management around her, not necessarily her fault. She was putting up, what, 17 and 11? Yeah, something like that, yeah. She's so she's, she's been she's, very good this year is, is the wild yeah. thing. Yeah, so it's, it's just it's, it's a tough blow, and I really hate it. But they have her heir in the next draft they want to go for. I mean, this is positioning them well for if you're going to try to spin it positively for for the tank. Absolutely, I know it's the the two year thing, so them being the three seed last year kind of hurts their chances. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you take us to the more positive side of things then, Bailey, with the trade of of AD to your Atlanta Dream? Yeah, the or the Liberty, pardon, Liberty traded AD back to Atlanta. It's a homecoming for AD um, from the area, if you recall. She was in the Dream promo commercial back in 08, which is really cool. And they've been struggling in New York, carving out minutes and really finding their footing. And I, I think Brondello has, you know, Brondello has a history with, with Megan Walker, and I think maybe it's a good move for both parties because Megan Walker hadn't been playing real consistently. The full trade was to go back to whenever you said you were trying to grasp with the player. It was Megan Walker and draft rights to Raquel Carrera uh, yeah. for, eight, for AD. And um, then, like, within minutes, they announced that they uh, brought in brought, uh, brought Johannes back for the rest of the season. And right. then they announced that upon being granted an additional hardship exemption by the league, they had re-signed Crystal Dangerfield to a second one. So they waived her when it happened. And maybe I just misunderstood. I thought that I had seen that. Let me all while while you are kind of like going back over it, I'll, I'll look for the Megan Walker thing so I can close that loop on me talking out of my neck. Yeah, the, I mean, I knew the Liberty had some again cap gymnastics to make it work because I knew they wanted to add Johannes back, and she will help them a lot. And Crystal Dangerfield has helped them a lot. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about how putting Sabrina as an off-ball guard as opposed to the primary initiator and making her more of a connector and a secondary initiator really opens things up for her and their offense. So bolstering their lead ball handler depth is always good. So Before, I guess they're kind of – No, go ahead. I was just saying, I guess they're, that's their goal. Yeah, that makes sense. Before um, kicking it over to Krista for that, uh, they said, so they said that – it, it, it was reported by Rachel uh, Galligan that they are expected to. They have not. They have not as of yet. So, okay. a little preemptive on that on my part. But yeah, no, that makes sense. So, Chris, I know that you, you seemed at least intrigued by the opportunity that AD may get in Atlanta. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really how fast or how safely they're able to get back to the AD that we all know, mm-hmm. which I, I do think that's a possibility. Like, I don't think the league should just throw them away, <laughs> but because they are still a very skilled player, but I think there's room in Atlanta, especially with Megan Walker gone. Cause like Bailey said, she has been very inconsistent. I don't, to be honest, I don't even know why she left UConn early. 
So, but that's a whole nother story. So, yeah, I like the move. Always finds a way to bring it back to UConn. You got to appreciate it. Yeah. But I I think in Atlanta, another thing that's important is that if, if AD gets back to form to what made them a number two pick, to what we were expecting coming out of uh, what we've seen or expected out of college, like that could be the one two punch with Ryan that Atlanta needs. Yeah. Because AD can be a three level scorer and can be an extra pressure on the defense that can open things up for Ryan in those tight situations. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I, I like the idea of just taking chances. I think that it's – I like what Atlanta's doing. I think that they're actually, like, being aggressive about moves like this is really interesting to me. This is – I mean, obviously, you don't see very many in-season trades in the league. And uh, targeting someone who has, like, the local connection but also feels like an untapped asset if they are able, ever able to get back to being healthy – Especially whenever, like, like obviously New York is worse. I actually haven't looked at the standings. I know they were on a little, they were coming a little bit around, but they're worse than they expected to be. And Atlanta is better than they expected to be. But I still like the idea of Atlanta being the team that is taking the chance on a, on like a flyer talent and New York trying to kind of like stabilize their roster because I, I think both teams know what their goals are for this season. And I think you kind of saw that through that trade. Yeah. Cause Atlanta is. Ahead of schedule, but still, I would say more playing a longer game. Mm-hmm. Whereas New York, they getting Benajah Laney, getting Natasha Howard, adding Stephanie Dolson. They are trying to win, maybe not this season, but a little closer to than Atlanta is. And they've been hit by the injury bug like crazy, too. So now they got to try to figure out what they've got and how to kind of carry that load while they while they get healthy, but I think it works out for both sides pretty well. Yeah, for sure. I I, I like it for both, honestly. Um, okay, well, let's get into the one topic for this week then. Um, last last week, we, we were going to do, I, honestly, I almost pitched this last week after the expansion story came out in The Athletic, but then everything came out about Liz, so that's why we did Liz last week. But for this week, we are looking at expansion. There was, like I said, there was a story in The Athletic Last week, talking about the six cities that are currently like putting together ownership groups and trying to make a bid for expanding the league. And uh, the, the big news was that Kathy Engelbert said that uh, we think we will know one or two cities by the end of the year, and they could start play as early as 2024. Uh, obviously, expansion has been a big topic in fandom and league and all that stuff for the last couple of years, but I think that a lot of people... Uh, did not expect it to happen until like closer to the collective bargaining agreement. So getting the knowledge that we will, I mean, Kathy made it seem like we will, we will know something by the end of the year. That's a big step. So for our fun, we decided to look at the six cities that had been talked about. Uh, we each picked one. So uh, the, the three that did not get picked, I'll, I'll throw them out there first for anyone who wants to look at them uh, was Toronto and two Bay Area cities in um, uh, San Francisco and Oakland. And then we are going to be doing the other three cities and kind of making our case and um, presenting what we would do with the team and then kind of talking about a few players that we would keep in mind 
we're trying to observe like what would be going on with an expansion rules, but obviously like the rules could be different than what's been done in the past. So, um, Chris, why don't you start us off with, with uh, the team you picked, the city you picked, and, and kind of make your pitch. Okay, so I picked Philadelphia. Um, I picked it because as I was like doing my research on the cities, like the I knew they had crime, but like their crime rate is currently up. And so I feel like uh, the WMA team in that city could help like young girls, camps, you know, stay off the street, all that kind of stuff. And then I named them the Philly murals because Philly has a lot of murals. Oh, yeah. And then also the 76ers. So, like, you can do, like, deals, you know, to get half off of stuff and all that. Yeah, I, the, the murals is actually a really cool name. I, that, that's really creative. They do. They, I, I'm in Pittsburgh, so I, I try to go to Philly as little as possible. But I've been there a few times. And, uh, yeah, that, that they could really do a lot of cool things with that. And that could open up a lot of interesting jersey ideas. What would your colors be? Um, so I did like a reddish purple off of not purple, but like a reddish and then like a blue kind of thing. It was one of the murals that I saw and I just like put it on the jersey. And then I took uh I really like the Las Vegas Aces mascot buckets. Okay. <laughs> and so I put like a jersey on him that I would put on the Philadelphia ones. Wait, you're saying you created this image? Yeah, it's not good, but I did it. <laughs> I, that's a, I like that. That's that's a really cool idea. Who were some of the the players that you were thinking about targeting in, in terms of an expansion draft? Well, the first one is obvious or should be. It's uh, Khalid Copper. Yeah, even if and... even if she's not made available, I feel like they would do anything they could to kind of get her there. Yeah, and then so I kind of like wanted like a young franchise. So I did uh, Destiny Henderson, Shakira Austin, and then Azari Stevens, and then but I also put in Natasha Cloud. Oh, I like that. That's a fun team. Yeah, should be. That's a fun team. Bailey, what do you think about her, about the, the Philadelphia murals? She said that I had, like, the most fire jersey idea pop in my head. Like, that's very unique and very creative. I think it would really grab attention. And it would also be so unique that it wouldn't fall in, in as, like, the little sister to the Sixers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, I think it would open a lot of collaboration opportunity there and would really, I think it could stand alone enough to where it would really help, like you said, help the city and have another identity there. So I think that's, I think that was really well thought out. Very, very cool idea. And if you had, even if you couldn't like grab them in the expansion draft, if you somehow make moves and add Natasha Cloud. Or Kalia Copper, yeah, nah, it's over with. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Bailey, why don't you why don't you go next? All right, so I I did Nashville. I picked Nashville because I've been there, and I wanted to go to school there. So like I know like how this a little bit about the city. I like the city a lot, and it also has a lot of deeply rooted history and another favorite. Um, thing of mine in music so that was why I picked it it was more so a comfort thing I, I do think of the six it would probably be on the lower end of the list but for me it was a you know, the higher end of the list just because it would be something I felt comfortable possibly making a team for and so in that same vein 
I made a team called the Nashville Sound. Oh, love so, it, love it. I like so that in, one. In the 50s, there was like a subgenre of country music at the time called the Nashville Sound. And in this shift, it kind of went from kind of the classic like fiddles and steel guitars and like honky-tonk music. And it went to more kind of smooth, somewhat bluesy, like background singers and strings and lead vocals that were like more like the word crooning kind of came into mind and that was a really big shift in music in Nashville at that time and it was really centered around like RCA Victor and Decca Records recording studios and it helped country music expand across the nation and so I thought tapping into that would be kind of cool country music is not my favorite genre but it you know, in Nashville, it's a very popular genre. They also have roots in R&B and blues and all types of different genres. And they all kind of somewhat blend together in certain ways to make the Nashville sound. But it was most prominent in country music. And so I thought tapping into that would be kind of cool. And then when well, they- Oh, go ahead, bye. No, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that for a league that's majority Black women or Black athletes, Country music was started by Black people. So I, right. I like, you know, I liked how you gave us a little history lesson. Yeah. And it, it all, you know, Nashville was a, a big melting pot for music at that time. Because you also had, like, influences from around Nashville, whether you go to Memphis or you go to Atlanta or you come from Kentucky. Like, there's a lot of music that met right in Nashville. It's right in the center of all those places. And so I feel like that's just an obvious connection that is there. And it may not be as, it's not one that may be as strong if you look at it from today, but if you look at it throughout history and you tap into that history, it's really, really strong. And so in doing that, for whatever reason, the colors that came to mind for me, for my team was like, not like a Carolina blue and not quite a sky blue, like a faded um, kind of light blue and then a gold were the colors that came to mind for me and then have like a little white accent type thing. Those are the two colors that came to mind for whatever reason. So that would be my colors for the team. And then in targeting players for a roster, I was thinking about trying to make connections to the area. So I was looking at South Carolina players and Tennessee players pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I looked at players that I went through each team in the league and protected like four of them in my brain. And I was like, I'm looking for players outside of these four. Some, some teams had five, but, you know, four or five. And so I got Ty Harris as my point guard. Mm-hmm. As you know, them South Carolina fans going to go crazy for Ty. I, I got my bigs out of Tennessee. I went Mercedes Russell and Izzy Harrison. Okay. You know, get that connection there. And then for my shooting guard and small forward, I went with a player who is talented enough to kind of build around, but maybe um, – is on a team that is kind of shifting gears and may move their focus away from her. And so I grabbed Tip Hayes from the Dream. Mm. 
Okay. And then for small forward, I'm, I'm a little biased, but, you know, free agent due to injury, but a very impactful player when on the court. And I think would be great in a situation like this for building connections with the community and providing entertainment, but also great hoops. I got my girl CB at three. Okay. Okay. So that's my, that's my starting five. Right so there. I'll go, I'll come in on each thing. So I like the colors. The gold reminds me of like, since we're, we're doing Nashville and Nashville is the music city. So gold reminds me of like a trumpet like instruments like that so I like that you did gold and then for your players you did really well with Lady Walls and Gamecocks because both of those fan bases will travel yes yes they will I thought about I thought about trying to snag Tiffany Mitchell from the Fever mm. as well but I think she would be like a sixth woman more than a starter Thank with the team that you named yes yeah so that that would be like my my sixth woman. I think I, I think I did I right, though. I'm curious to see what Corey got. <laughs> yeah, I think you did good. Hey man, doesn't want to call any of us. I think we could really make some shake. I like that, Bailey. I think that's a really cool concept. So, um. I'll go last, and mine. I, I guess I, I kind of cheated a little bit, right? Because I went with Portland, and they had a team before. Um, but that's kind of exactly why I want them back, right? I know that the Portland Fire were one of the more short-lived teams in the W. I think they only lasted three seasons. But one of the things that I like whenever I'm looking back at this is that you could have something in place, you could have something to call back to, and also like a built-in fan base, right? So. Portland obviously has is is one of the more liberal cities in the in, in the country as we've seen with all of the things that are going on uh, that went all around along last year with the protests and things like that. So um, I think there's already a connection point there for the the type of makeup that is in the W. The reason why they folded before was not from a lack of fan support, but it was uh, at a time in, in the league when the league was selling the teams to the NBA owners in their cities, and at the time the the Allen the Allen Group was in a bad financial place with the Blazers. So they were not able to absorb the fire. So they just went away. I don't think that that would be the case. Now we already saw a couple of weeks ago with Phil Knight trying to buy into the Blazers and offering an exorbitant amount of money. Not that he would necessarily be the one involved in this, but you can see that there's basketball in Oregon is in a much better place, whether it be because of that or uh, the huge interest. We, we, you guys are talking about it with the colleges and stuff, Oregon state to some degree. And then Oregon, uh, are two very popular programs. Obviously, Oregon has a lot of connections, and I'm not going to take players necessarily that I don't think would be available. I know that it's, it's something similar that we've seen whenever people were talking about, could one of these teams in the Bay uh, recruit Sabrina to come there? But if a team like in Portland, Oregon could ever recruit Sabrina, I think that would be a boon as well. So I just think the market could be really cool. I love the colors. I would keep the same colors that they had before because it kind of ties into a lot of the Rip City aesthetic that you have with the Blazers. The Blazers are already some of the more passionate fans in the NBA. So I, I do think that there would be support there. They also really support uh, their uh, women's soccer team that is there. So I, I just, I think that there's an environment of support of women's sports, of support of basketball. And because there's not a lot of other pro sports in that city already, they don't have football. They don't have hockey. They don't have that, like that, that they would have to compete with 
there's not a baseball team there that would be in the same season. I think that there's there's room there, and they could have a built-in rival with Seattle being so close. So I just think that there's a lot of ways that you could like kind of leverage that market. Uh, you have Nike, Adidas, and as they mentioned in the article, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour all located in that state for their headquarters. So there's just a lot of partnership opportunities as well. So um, I would keep the fire. I think that's a fine name. I think that I would update the jerseys, obviously, from the from the early 2000s W style. But I, I think that, like I said, if they could partner up with any of those those creators out there, I, I do think that they could make something really cool. And like I, like I said, I'm not going to draft Sabrina or Satu in this, but if they could ever try to bring either of them back to uh, the City of Roses, then I think that you could do a lot of really cool things. And obviously, like, those are two players that are really starting to hit their stride. So um, in terms of players that I would target, I went with more of a young approach, mostly. Uh, the only person on my list that has ties to the area is Ruthie Hebert in Chicago for a similar reason. So it's that, that, that Oregon duck who has not necessarily got her full shot in Chicago because Chicago is so overwhelmingly talented. To me, she's shown flashes when she's got on the court and I'd like to see her kind of get an additional opportunity. Um, I, me- I messaged Bailey yesterday. I think Dijanae Carrington is becoming one of my favorite be- players in the league. And I think that it would be tough if Connecticut wants to like protect all of the all-stars that they have, I, they might not be able to protect Dijanae. So taking a shot on her to get that increased opportunity could be really cool. Uh, I would take Kirsten Bell from Vegas. She's not getting any run, but I think that she could be a sniper there and would be extremely popular. Um, for my veteran, I would take Danielle Robinson. I think that you see that she is a stabilizing presence. She was in Vegas before. She is in Indiana now. Um, she's one of the top assisters in the league right now on a team filled with rookies. So I think putting her here could kind of like build a foundation there. Um, I have two more players. One is a free agent who Bailey went with a free agent and I'm going with a former spark. Uh, I would go with Arella Guillarentes. I think that getting her back in the league would be awesome. And I think that you could also, like I'm saying with like building these connections, having that connection to the Puerto Rican national team could be a kind of cool shot and allow them to do some different promotional opportunities. And, um, if you thought I was going to go pod without actually making a mention of a walk queer and how someone should take a shot on her, you're out of your mind. I think that Dallas, they are so pro playoffs that they would protect every veteran possible and either Charlie or a walk. Honestly, I'm obviously, uh, I obviously favor a walk, but I think either of them would be a really cool opportunity for one of these expansion teams to just take a shot on a supremely talented player. I love that. I also think an underrated aspect of a walk would be her TikTok. Oh Yeah. I think that would just resonate, especially if you add Arella and Kirsten Bell there. Like, they all – like, I know Arella was always on TikTok with Teo when they were in L.A. And I don't know about Kirsten Bell individually, but I know every time, like, the Aces or Kelsey Plum with the Tortilla thing, like, when they drop a video, she's prominently featured. See, I'm an old person, and I didn't know that they were that big on TikTok. Like, obviously, I know what TikTok is, but I'm not on it, so I did not know that that was something that a walk was big on. But that's, now I might have to become – into tiktok her her and izzy do a lot of tiktoks all right all right well that's cool yeah i think that to me if like obviously i want to see like give me like 10 new teams in the w but as somebody who likes to go and like look at the the retro merch and look at stuff like that i I would immediately buy an old portland fire shirt and and rock it now so uh i think they're one of those there's some old teams that i don't think you could bring back necessarily because i mean they, they did fold because there was not a lot of interest there i don't think that's an issue in portland 
So just something interesting. But I, I, honestly, I think we could make real cases for any of these cities, plus more, like we've talked about it before. I think there's a number of cities that could get in. Obviously, don't add them all at once. I think that we need to take this process slow. But it's exciting to even be able to talk about this, right? I think the league is in a great place, both financially and from a talent perspective, where this would work. And I like that. I don't – maybe I missed something. Was there any overlap in the teams that we, we drafted? I don't think so. Which – to me kind of goes to show how talent rich the league is right now. Cause we were mostly avoiding like the top tier of players because you are looking at like what this expansion pool could be that like, that's crazy. It is. So, so what you think about Portland? I like it. I mean, I don't know if I would visit, but I like it. Um, I think just in general, women's sports is, is the move. It's been the move, but people are for whatever reason, just now starting to, to catch on and invest. And so I definitely think this expansion is, you know, finally happening and it's the time, even though the time should have been, you know, years ago, but I see why, you know, things have to progress the way they have to progress. But I think it's great that we're finally expanding to the cities that, that we have options to expand to. And I love that. It, I, like we've talked about it ad nauseum on here, Chris, but I'm so glad w- when we've talked about it, we, like I said, but at the start of this exercise, it's always been like, well, this will happen in like 26 or 28. And if we get this in like in 20 in two years, like, so not next season, but the season after, man, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah. It is. And I think Corey made a comment about like, you would love to get 10 or six or however many teams. I almost think that that's where, I think the W messed up early on. They did. They did. They expanded way too fast early. And so, like, they were adventurous, and that's always good. But there's also a level of realistic that you have to be. And I think, I think, like you mentioned now, like, there's more of a basis for them to build on and um, expand. Because I think early they were going off hype. And respectfully, like, hype doesn't last. Hype changes. And oftentimes you go from hype to now you have to hold it. You have to hold it for long term. I don't know what the correct word is for that. I guess sustainability. You go from hype to sustainability. And if you go all in on something while you're at hype and you're trying to make it long term, then you set yourself up for issues in that sustainability category. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was reading uh, I watched the 30 for 30 about the and one mixtapes I don't know if you've seen that but like, I haven't I knew, I knew it was a thing but I, I, I have not watched it yet they were talking about how like they it happened so randomly and they didn't really expect it to take off that they didn't really have like a business model or nothing and then by the time that they got the business model and they got like some bigger things set up it was already starting to wane. Mm -hmm. And so like they were talking about one and two went crazy and were really good. Three had decent success, but the quality had changed because you started adding a business to it. And then four and five were just like, and so like, I think, you know, there's definitely a plan to it. I'm not saying the W didn't have a plan from the word go, but I think maybe they either went away from their plan or just were going a little too quick. But now, now we all, I think we all feel like they're going too slow. But, but even again, from a business perspective, it's the right pace to go at. Yeah, sorry, I did not mean to keep almost cutting you off. Um, 
I think that I don't know enough about the commissioner before Kathy and, and we can all have whatever criticism of Kathy that anyone has had, but I do think that she is smart from a business perspective. And mm-hmm. I do think that she is like, I said, I wanted 10, but that's just because like, I want more birthday. Right. I, I don't, if I'm being logical, I do think that two is I like, I, like I've seen some people throw out four off rip. I would do two. I, I think that keep the league balanced. I don't want an uneven number of teams, but I do think that, the slow and steady approach is the right way to go. Um, obviously, I want more merch, but I want more merch from the teams that already exist that we can't get. So, like, I just want to like I I want everyone to have a job. I'm I'm sick of seeing they're like like I, like we've said before, and it just gets crazier by the week. But like, we could actually just like without even involving people that are overseas or in college right now like we could build another team just with people that are right off <laughs> right off the street right now and actually be like a really competitive team and that can't happen anywhere else because like you have enough opportunities. Like you can build, you know what I mean? But like, there's so much talent in the league right now and it doesn't get a chance to develop or time on the court because there's so few opportunities. And I'm so excited for what this is. I'm going to be doing more written content on this coming up. I like, I, I, I've thrown out the idea and I'm, I'm still working on how I want to formulate form formatted, but it will probably be like kind of, and like this discussion today only made me want to do it more like kind of, wrapping my mind around what a possible transfer pool could be because or not transfer pool but uh um the the eligibility for the uh the expansion draft could be because like look at the names that we're throwing out there like these are not like you like i usually think if like you're going to be like starting from the ground up you're going to be getting a bunch of like rough players like those teams were outlining could be playoff teams in a year or two like it doesn't take much of a leap for them to get there so i think that there, people are going to be surprised by the names that are available more than anything and i'm excited to hear that coming next season like if by the end of the year they said i assume we'll probably hear something right around the time we usually hear about the draft lottery would be my guess because that's usually like that november december window that would be my guess but i'm sure we'll talk about it plenty more here uh anything oh, yeah. else before we get out for the week i don't think so chris you got anything no i'm okay so Bailey, how many games are you seeing in LA? This one is their only Saturday game in LA for the whole year. Well, that's awesome. Enjoy your time. That'll be this will be coming out on the same day that you're there. I'm I'm sure you're thrilled. You're I'm sure you're thrilled even be before you consider the, the the Fisher of it all. But just enjoy the experience. I've never been to LA. I've been to California. I've never been to LA. Um, you know, just enjoy the vibes. This is the furthest I've ever been from home. What was the furthest before this? Was it D.C.? I don't know if D.C. is further than Key Largo. Where's Key Largo? The bottom of Florida. Ooh. I don't know. That's interesting. But, yeah, that's... I've also, I also went to Texas. I, don't, I, I think all of mine are kind of close in distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is by far the far, and this was by far the farthest I've ever flown. Like, my furthest flight before was, like, an hour and a half. And I went – I flew, like, six hours yesterday. Yeah, when you I, – I realized that probably some of it is because I have not traveled in the pandemic and, and, and stuff like that. But when you said you had two layovers, I'm like, I know I flew across country and I didn't have a layover before, but – Well, so it was more so just because the um, cheapest way to do it was to have the stops. That makes sense. And then I also, like, I was on Southwest and not Delta. Delta had direct flights, but they were 
much like, more ridiculous. Yeah. No, but that's good. I'm glad you got there safe. I'm glad you're gonna have fun. Who are, I'm? Who are they playing tomorrow? Aces. Oh, nice. That's a good game. That, like, that that's some fun matchups there that you get to see. So mm-hmm. enjoy. Well, we will back. We will be back next week. I don't know when you're. When do you? When do you come back to to? Oh, I'll be back. I'll be back on Sunday. Dope. Well, we will catch you guys early next week on Rebel Edition.